after him talking to me since high school about sales skills, I said, I'm ready to learn. And he said, you have to go all in. Like you have to put away whatever you're learning, whoever you're listening to, just put it away and just focus. You're listening to The Brands That Book Show, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who want practical tips and strategies for building engaging brands, crafting high converting websites, and creating reliable lead generation systems for their businesses. I'm your host, Davey Jones, co-founder of two agencies, a brand and website design agency, Davey and Krista, and the digital advertising agency, Till Agency. And I ask questions so you can find answers. Today, we are chatting about sales with Macy McNeely of Guide Culture. Selling can sometimes feel like the hardest part of running a business, but it's obviously so crucial to one's success. A mistake that we often see people make is moving in circles around the sale. And what I mean by that is that people often avoid selling by convincing themselves that if they do certain things like just add value, that people will buy. And we've definitely fallen into some of those traps ourselves, especially when we first started our business. And sometimes even now have to ask ourselves, are we actually talking about our products or services? And we get it. Selling can feel awkward at times. And many have this idea that selling is, you know, sort of sleazy. But Macy makes a good argument that selling isn't only a business skill, but a life skill too. And when done in the right way, can have a positive impact on your world. In this episode, Macy breaks down a number of myths around sales like adding value will make people want to buy from you, or you can just share your life and sales will come, or I'm already making sales, so I don't need to learn how to sell. Macy and the Guide Culture team, they also have a book out called Persuade for Good, How to Be a Person of Influence Who Changes the World One Conversation at a Time. So if sales is something you're interested in, I highly recommend checking that book out after listening to this conversation. It's a great way to extend the content that you'll hear today. And they even do an exclusive webinar for those who purchase the book. As always, links and resources can be found in the show notes. Check them out at davianchrista.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review over at Apple Podcasts. Now, on to the episode. Macy, welcome to the Brands of Book Podcast. Really appreciate your time. Hey, Davey, I'm so fired up to be here with you. Yeah, so you you recently had another baby. How do you manage young children and and working? I ask mostly because I figure my entrepreneur friends with kids, you know, have uh-huh. the best time management skills. So how do you how do you make it work? <laughs> you know, I have a million like tips and tricks of time management, but what has been the biggest thing for me? when it comes to kids and entrepreneurship and business ownership is because I have a two-year-old and then a eight, nine-week-old. The way my kids have lit a fire under me, I was not expecting that. And they have really become my catalyst more than anything. So one thing that's just been really helpful for me, just like as I create content and as I'm really helping people believe things that they need to believe in order to have the best life that they can is really think about like what my oldest son is Rush. So I always think about him. What would I tell Rush like at 18? What would I want him to believe before he goes out into the world? And something about that shift, I know we're going to talk about the Persuade for Good book that we just wrote. Like we wrote that book with our kids in mind. Like if we, if something were to happen to us, what would we want them to walk away with? And that's what this book is. It's like, hey, here are the 10 things that you need to believe in order to get people to buy into you. Because sales skills are life skills. It's not just whether they they become entrepreneurs or not, they have to have sales skills in order to get the life that they want. Like I believe that so wholeheartedly. And so that has been the biggest gift 
of kids, honestly. And then of course, there's a ton of time management things that I do. I'll give you one specific thing is every day I decide the result I'm going to have, not the to-do list, but the result, what's going to be completed. And I do not... I do not get up unless it's done. Mm. Now I do have like a time frame, so I'll have like let's say an hour and a half block. It has to get done in an hour and a half. It might be C minus work. It might not be perfect, but it gets done. So if I look at the clock and it says, "Oh, I got twenty more minutes to finish this project," I better put you know gas to the pedal or whatever pedal, to, whatever the <laughs> saying is, to get it done. And that has been huge for me. It's just just accepting the C minus work, getting it done no matter what in the time frame that I have. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's really interesting with kids, the constraints that it puts on you and forces you really to think about the most important things in a day. I was yeah. telling a friend yesterday that, you know, we have a vacation coming up and it's always mm-hmm. incredible to me how much I can get done before vacation so that we can go on vacation, totally disconnect. You know, and I always think to myself, like, why am I not structuring my day like this all the time? But it really forces me to think like, what is the most important thing I need to, I need to focus on today? Yeah. A good question we ask on our team is, is this critical to the mission? Hmm. Because it can be so exciting to try something new and see if this works and it's, and it's not critical to the mission. And so every day we kind of look at what is our result and we ask, are all of these things critical to the mission? And when you ask yourself that question, it becomes really clear because critical, like if you think about critical condition, it's like nothing else matters. Mm. And so that's been huge for, for our team here at Guide Culture. Yeah. Well, maybe you can fill us in a little bit about Guide Culture. Kind of maybe give us the backstory. Tell us how it started. Tell us what the mission is. What it is that you all uh, are seeking to do. Yeah, we want to steward people's legacies by equipping them with sales skills. I started out in ministry actually. I was in children's ministry and I was in the job and I enjoyed the job. I really did, but there was just something more in me. Maybe you feel that too, Davy, or you felt that in the past where you're like, I am capable of something huge. I don't know what it is, but I know that I am. And so I took the first step. I just actually started selling products on Instagram. I was like, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to like take a swing at this. And, you know, my dad has been an entrepreneur and a salesperson for 40 years. And he actually has always really fought for me to learn sales skills since I was in high school. I mean, there were memories of him bringing a projector to the beach trip and bringing us workbooks to the beach because he had this moment with his family that he could transfer the most important skill set that he believed in. And I always pushed him away for lots of reasons, but mostly I thought that he was like old and not cool and dated and he just didn't get it. You know, he didn't know what life was like, you know, now, nowadays is what I used to think, but he was watching me on Instagram sell and he would say things like, or he actually would tell me, he asked me one question that really turned everything around. He said, Macy, why are you so ashamed to sell? I was like, what? Ashamed. And he was right. Because really what I was doing, I was sharing my whole life. I was giving a play-by-play. I was trying to make people like me and know me and trust me, but I never talked about the product. I just kind of would place it in little places, hoping that someone would ask me about it. He was like, you're so ashamed. Why? And I'd actually quit my job to try to make this thing work. And I was at a point where I was like, okay, I either need to double down or I've got to go get another job. And so I went back to him finally with my tail between my legs. I said, okay, after him talking to me since high school about sales skills, I said, I'm ready to learn. And he said, you have to go all in. Like you have to put away whatever you're learning, whoever you're listening to, just put it away and just focus. 
I said, okay. So every day for six months, I went to his office. He taught me a skill. We would role play and then I would implement. That's a major piece. I would implement into the wild. And I really wasn't even paying attention to my numbers. I just got in this flow of like playing the game. And it wasn't until I calculated things six months later, I realized I'd hit my first $10,000 month by selling a product that I made 30 bucks commission on. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is it. I couldn't believe it. Like what I learned is it wasn't dated what he had. It was actually timeless. It never would go out of date. And then I couldn't help but see how nobody had sales skills. I would watch people on Instagram. I'm like, they're ashamed. They're not doing it. Oh my gosh, they need it. They're not getting it. And I went back to him and I said, hey, let's like really make this a proper training and and get it into the hands of people. And so we spent a year organizing this thing. He actually already had a training that he would kind of teach to his staff. And so we took that and we organized it. And we did that same process where we taught a skill, we practiced and role played with people, and then they would go and do it in the wild, that same process. And it kind of a mass scale. And it's been five years since we've had our first cohort. We're on cohort 37 now. And over 1,500 people have graduated from school of sales. And it is honestly the joy and honor of my life. We have coaches, we have certified trainers, we have master trainers. And it is like, honestly, the most fun I've ever had is building this business. And I love being able to teach people sales skills. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I actually picked up your book. I have it right here for those of you who are watching this. Persuade for good. I actually prefer the the print version, but I bought it in you know in time for for this uh, this episode. Love what I've read so far, and today I'd love to talk to you about some of the myths that you go through in this book mm-hmm. around sales because I think that yeah. there's things that some of which I've believed in the past, mm-hmm. and many of which I hear all the time. I had a sort of a light bulb moment recently. I went to buy a, a car at CarMax, and Ooh. yeah, they're they're famous for not trying to to sell you. Right. And it's the first car oh, really? I've ever bought at CarMax. Yeah. They, you know, I don't know how their commission structure works and maybe it's specific to this CarMax. This is my only experience, but I don't think they get commission in the same way as like a uh, salesman does at your local dealer or whatever. So anyways, I found it really disorienting walking in there and not having anybody try to sell me a car. And it's, it's so funny because you, you know, when you think of sales, you know, I think one of the first images that come to mind for a lot of people is the sleazy car salesman, right? Who's just trying to get you into some lemon and get you off the lot, right? But in there, I wanted somebody to walk me through what would be the best choice for me, you know, given my constraints, what I was looking for in a car, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so the fact that nobody, they didn't really care. It's like, hey, so what do you, what do you think about this car? And they'd just be like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a good car. People seem to like it. And it's like, this is not... This is not what I need. I'm looking for your opinion. I'm looking for your expert advice. You move, you know, I know you move a ton of cars each day. You have the advantage of being in a quite a few different brands. I want to know what you think is best for me. So I found that very disorienting. It kind of kind of flipped things for me. I was thinking about, I think people really do want to be sold to. But how how much do you deal with sort of that pushback of like, well, people just don't want to be sold to? People actually want help buying. They might not want to be sold to, but they want help buying. And that's two very different things. And what you just experienced was I wanted help buying. And I love that word that you just said disoriented. Like you were literally like flailing in an ocean, needing someone to come and help you show you the way. 
And this is why we're called guide culture. Our method is called guide method. But think about a tour guide, okay? They are walking in front. They are passionate about what they're showing you, whether it's a college tour or a city, and they know a lot about it. They're not showing and telling you everything about the city, but they're bringing out the specific buildings and they're making the buildings mean something. So you might walk by a building and it's just looks really tall, but what they know is that, you know, it was built by somebody who really believed in what the city could do for somebody. And they were able to cast vision of why this is so important and no one's ever built, you know, whatever. They really create meaning around something that's basic to someone else. They are able to know what to point out, right? Like maybe they have a whole group behind them that is a bunch of, you know, 15-year-old girls. So they might not talk about the pavement on the ground, but they might actually bring out and highlight the candy store on the on the corner. They know it so well backwards and forwards. They make it really engaging and they bring it to life. And that's what a great salesperson does. They come out in front. They, they only share the information that needs to be shared with the right person. And they help make sense of what's ever going on in the prospect's head and kind of brings it a uh, context to what they already know. You know, a lot of people think, I was actually looking this up of like, why do people feel gross about sales? I, I literally can't even comprehend that. It makes no sense to me. And a part of that is probably because I grew up in a sales cultured home, honestly, and I looked up, I was like, I literally Google, why do people feel gross about sales? And what came up was that salespeople traditionally feel like that they can't be transparent. They feel like they can't say everything that they need to say about the product that they're selling. But that is so old school because really back in the day, salespeople did have all the information right? They could pick and choose what they wanted to share. But now the consumer, they actually have more information sometimes than the salesperson has. And the power is actually in the buyer. The buyer has all the information. They have the good and the bad. They just need help making sense of it. And so the salesperson is like, hey, where? let me like look at your cards. Let me see what you know. Let me see your objections. Let me see your concerns. And let's make sense of it and help make the best decision for you. And it might be to buy the car. It also might not be to buy the car. The goal is to help you to win ultimately. And that is the salesperson's job. Yeah, it's interesting to say that because one of the things I think somewhere along the way, I realized that I could tell somebody exactly how I was going to fulfill a service for them, be completely transparent about the process. and that made them more likely to book us than less likely. And I think that a lot of people's intuition is, well, if I, you know, if I share too much, then they could just go and implement that on their own. What's stopping them from doing it on their own? And, you know, I think to your point, it's, it's that I was making sense of a process that maybe they weren't super familiar with, even if they'd done some research, even if they showed up with some knowledge, I've been able to make sense of that and say, Hey, this is exactly the path that I think you need to follow based on your needs. But one of the one of the myths that I really want to talk about, and I think I just hear so much, is you can just share your life and sales will come. And you started talking about how your dad called you out and was like, why are you so ashamed? And I wonder how many people don't even realize maybe that they're sort of ashamed of selling or talking about their product. They just default to, you know, well, if people like me, they'll buy from me. Hmm. Yeah. There's a huge difference between being liked as a friend and being liked as a professional. Huge difference. So for example, let's say, Davey, you and I have been friends for 10 years. 
it's like, know, and trust. Okay. Those are like the three things. I know you, like, I know you're a good person. I know your family. I like you. We have fun together. You are funny and we have great conversations and I trust you. Like I trust you enough for you to babysit my kids. Those are awesome qualities to have as a friend. But let's say I recently just got my certification to inject Botox, okay, hypothetically. And I'm like, Davey, we're friends. Can I inject Botox in your face? You're like, uh, like, no, right? Like, there's two, I'm not going to be your guinea pig. I'm not going to practice. I like you as a person. I know you. I trust you. I would literally ship my kids to your house for a month and I know you'd raise them just like I would but you're not going to inject Botox in my face. Do you see how those are so different? And even with a website, it's like, hey, I I like you, Davey, and I know you and trust you, but I need my website to be really good and you're brand new. You're not, but I'm just saying hypothetically, you're brand new, so I don't trust you in that way. I don't know you in that way. I don't like you in that way. So no like and trust is not enough. It's not. You have to demonstrate that you know what you're talking about you can help them and that they can really buy into what you know. And all of that is how you present your offer and how you communicate it in a really effective way. And it's more than just talking. A lot of it is demonstrating, demonstrating your life, demonstrating your values, and really only showing up with value. I know a lot of times I'll watch people on Instagram and they're like, oh, I'm just checking in. Like, I just want to pop in. I just want to show up. I just wanted to show my face. And there's no value in that, right? And so really showing up with like, hey, I'm going to sell people on a belief every day. I'm going to sell people to believe something and to think something that makes them want to move forward in the sales process. That is how you build the right kind of like, no interest. And you can have both, but it's important to have both. You cannot just have the friend like, no interest. You have to have the professional one. And that has to honestly weigh heavier in my opinion. Yeah. So how do you turn that corner from just showing up and trying to be this likable character to, I guess the the way you put it was selling people on a belief each and every Mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Davey, I'm curious if you've ever experienced someone who like just quote, doesn't get it. They're like, I don't need a website. And you're like, how would you ever think that? Like you need it so bad. Have you experienced that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I like to call the stuck arc. You have one person on one side of the arc who was like, I don't need it. I'm good. And you're on the other side and you're like, you cannot afford not to have this. Right. And you're like, how can I move him? Think about like a speedometer, right? How can in one side, zero miles per hour, the other side is a hundred. How can I just inch him over to a hundred? You're not going to go from zero to a hundred just like that. You've got to kind of persuade them in a process over time. And so what most people do is they show up and they're like, here's my whole life. Here are my kids. Here's my family. Here's my house. Here's my decorations. And by the way, this is amazing. Websites are amazing. You need this. It changes your life. And it, you think you're just going to move them from zero to a hundred and you're just not right. We just need to persuade them over a process. And that's where people like pitch. They think it's like a one throw where it's like, this is why you need a website. And it's so good. It's so important. It'll change your business. Instead, they just might need to believe like one new thought to get them closer. So let's think for a website, that thought could be like, my brand reflects my reputation. 
like right now, someone might not even believe that their brand is a reputation. They think branding is a bunch of Canva graphics, but it's actually your reputation and it matters so much. So your job maybe today is to sell somebody on the belief that their brand equals a reputation and it matters and it's so important. That's just step one. And that might get them to 30%. It might get someone to 70 per, or you know 70 miles per hour. And that one belief might get someone to the 100 miles per hour and say, yes, he's right. I need a website. But what's important, like people don't want to pressure and we're not pressuring. We are persuading and persuading is a process and it happens over different lengths of time. Some person might take an hour, some person might take a year. But the point is that you keep showing up, you sell beliefs, you help people think the way they need to think in order to believe a website is valuable. And you do that every single day. Can you see that's the difference between like, I got this shirt from this boutique versus you can have and really control your reputation with the right website. It's two totally different feelings. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. And you called that the trust arc. Is that what you call that? The stuck arc. Oh, the stuck People are arc. stuck. The, I just had a conversation with a girl who does LinkedIn consulting and she's like, they don't get it. They, they don't understand that their dream career is right on the other side of LinkedIn. And people are like, oh, they don't get it. And so they don't want it. So they're not my people. And they just walk away. And that, no, 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 no. It is your job to meet them where they are and be the tour guide right? Get out in front of them and show them the new and better way. Yeah. I love that. I love the, uh, that you call it the stuck arc. We call it the trust gap. That's how we talk about it. Similar concept. Really, really like that. You know, one of the things that I also often hear and is myth number three in your, in your book is adding value will make people want to buy from you. Uh, And so I think this, you know, this ties in a little bit to what we were just talking about, moving people through or down the stuck arc, right? I guess what's wrong with that mindset? Yeah. We kind of compare it from adding value to building value. Two different things. So let's say you are a health coach, okay? And you know that broccoli is important to eat every day. Adding value would be something like, here are five ways to make broccoli. You can steam it, you can roast it, you can saute it, you can whatever, all these ways. And and people read that and they'll save the post and they'll like it and they'll take screenshots. But we all know broccoli is healthy. We all know that we should be eating it every day. Like that's not new information. What can you do to inspire someone to go to the grocery store and buy broccoli and eat it right now. That's the difference. People think like, hey, look at all this value I'm adding. I'm showing you how to eat broccoli and all these new in different ways. But unless someone actually eats it and feels passionate about it and is like, I will not go to sleep until I have a whole serving of broccoli every day, that's the difference between adding building value. I'll give you another example because we say sales skills are life skills and it's whether you're a parent trying to get your kid to bed or you are selling your business for $100 million, it's the same exact skills. I told you I grew up in a sales cultured home. And my dad, now that I know and understand sales, I look back, I have like this, that's a raven moment where I think about my past. I'm like, whoa, like he sold me my whole life. And I remember getting my learners and I didn't really want to drive that much. I wanted to listen to music and put on my makeup and like in the car and just, I didn't want to drive. And adding value moment would be like, hey, Macy, we really need to practice merging on the highway today. 
marching on the highway, going at this speed and being able to check your blind spot. Like this is what you're going to learn. That's adding value. Building value, what he did was was really kind of paint a vision for me all the time. He would say, Macy, you are too valuable not to be able to be a master at driving. Like your life is too important. Like we're going to learn, you know, we're going to practice today. And he would really build belief in me that like, my life mattered so much. And so I'm going to get really comfortable driving. And then once I bought into like, okay, I'm going to drive every time I get in the car, then it's like, okay, let's learn how to merge on the, on the highway. Let's talk about some tips and tricks that you can do it. And I know like people talk about jab, jab, hook. It's like add value, add value pitch, but it just doesn't make people want to move. And sales skills, selling is making people move in a direction and knowing five ways to make broccoli is just not enough. Sure. And that's such an interesting nuance. I'm thinking actually, this is within within the last week, something mm-hmm. that I've been on the verge of buying. I think because they're doing what what you're talking about. Ooh. And it's this, I have awful slice in golf, you know, now that summertime's oh. rolled up, my five-year-old also has picked it up. And so that's been very convenient for me because now I can get out and play more, but I have an awful slice. And so I've been playing in just a few more men's league type type events. And, you know, I don't want to be like embarrassed out there sure. right? With this, uh, sure. with this slice. So, you know, there's this ad that I've been getting and it's all about fixing your slice. And it's this, you know, I want to say it's probably a 10 minute video that it takes you to, but you know, it's all about sort of that belief building around, you know, he doesn't even actually tell you, he gives you all the reasons why you're slicing. But what he does is he goes through all these different people who have had this slice for the last 15 years. They never thought they can get rid of it. And within, you know, five minutes, they got rid of this slice. And so I'm yeah. like this close to to purchasing yeah. this this program because I've 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 started to believe like okay you know if, if all these people can fix their slice in five minutes in a five minute range session yeah and and then of course you know it has like 300 comments on the ad and stuff like that so that helps too and you know there's so many different angles of that it's like you because everyone enjoys doing stuff that they're good at it's like you can like enjoy because you said I don't want to be embarrassed nothing's worse than being embarrassed. Like there's a way for you to really enjoy golfing with your friends versus getting nervous. Not to mention your five-year-old. Hey, like go make memories of a lifetime with your five-year-old son. And he gets to have these core memories with his dad on the golf. Like that's a huge deal. And you get to teach him how to slice. Yeah, exactly. And being able to teach him like how, you yeah. know, how not to do <laughs> how not to exactly. do this, how to avoid exactly. this. Yeah. You should buy it. I'm yeah. a big proponent. I'm buying things that you feel pulled to. It sounds like you feel pulled to it. Oh, for sure. And I'm going to have to because I am, I'm playing in a men's league game tomorrow night and you yeah. know, I want to I feel like yeah. I'm carrying my weight, you know? You got to prepare right now for that, for that moment, Davey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the next myth I want to talk about is feeling like you're either a natural born salesperson or you're not, you know, and how to work through that. So maybe people are just feeling like this is just not something I want to do. And maybe tied up in that too is how people sell. I think uh, like I know people who really just refuse to get on a call with people. If they really want to work with me, we're going to do this all via email, you know, and if they don't want to do it all via email, they don't really want to work with me. So like, what would you say to those people? And I think tied up in that a little bit is just not, not wanting to do the sales thing and maybe not even believing that they can learn the sales thing. So when I think of the word natural, I think of someone that is born with it, like out of the womb. And so when you think that way, you're thinking, oh, they got a different hand dealt to them than me. So it's like, 
out of my hands, out of my control. I just don't have it. And I actually believe there's no such thing as a natural salesperson. Because when you see someone that is successful in sales, what you don't realize is they've done a thousand sales calls and they have failed a thousand times and they have honed what is not going well and they've magnified what is. And one of actually one of the worst things, this is going to sound crazy, but one of the worst things you can be is yourself. Honestly, people are told like, oh, be your natural, authentic self and like the right people will come to you. But think about human nature for just a second. We are so selfish. We want to win. We want the attention. We want to be the one that looks really smart. We want to be the one that um, can hide if we need to. We're overly emotional. And being all those things naturally is, is not conductive to business. We're in a world where personality tests are like everything, right? And they're like, this is just who I am because this test said so. And while your personality is unique and so incredibly special, your business is not about you. It can't be. It can't be. So everything natural has to be actually honed in and the right things need to be magnified. The best news about this is that you get to adapt. You get to become an amazing salesperson. First step is to change the way you think about selling because selling in itself isn't gross. It's how you're thinking about selling that's gross, right? Like we've talked about. And what ends up happening is people avoid it. This is a perfect kind of segue into avoiding it because think about when you feel gross, okay? You haven't showered. You like rolled out of bed and you're like, dang, I got to get the, get the mail. You run out, you get it and you run back in. You're like, dear God, please don't let me see anybody. It's humiliating. You avoid, avoid, avoid. So the person who's like, I don't want to get on sales calls. I just want to email it. The fact that you're even considering that sales is gross is a huge red flag or that you're avoiding it in any case. There's something called the fear of falling where basically elderly people, the number one cause of death is actually for elderly people is side effects of falling. And so older people, they get really nervous about that. And so because they're scared of falling, they stay really still and their muscles deteriorate, their bones deteriorate, which actually causes them to be more likely to fall and to not recover. So their fear is making them fall. Same with sales. Your fear of feeling gross is making you gross because you end up doing things like one-on-one time or 50% off. You better buy now. Price is going up. That is what's salesy. That is what's gross versus just actually selling and talking about it and handling the objections and answering the questions. That is what makes selling feel really good, actually, is to getting into conversation. I recently just did a mastermind call in our exclusive membership program. And I have everybody send in their questions and then we talk about them. Every single question that they wrote was not actually what they were dealing with once I talked to them. Every one of them. There were like 10 layers deeper that we actually needed to address versus what they wrote. So when you're going through email, you're not even really probably addressing the real thing. And so if Davey, you're telling me it's too expensive, it's too expensive, it's too expensive. But when I get on the call with you and I find that your wife, Krista, actually isn't bought in, if I keep handling the price objection, but the real objection is your wife, I'm not even really moving the needle at all. So getting on the phone, getting on a call gives you so much practice to get to the root and actually handle what's going on to move the needle. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think that people just get worried that, okay, what am I going to... 
what am I going to even say on the call? Like, what does that even look like? Can you speak to, you know, a sales call a little bit, maybe some tips for conducting the sales call? You know, if somebody walked away with just sort of like one to three things today that they could implement on the phone, you know, what, what would those things be, you think? So, gosh, there's like so many things. It's it's hard to pick just a few, but honestly, the most important thing and to make this the easiest transition for you is to change your programming. And actually, I just was looking at our Slack channel with our students and someone said that like their the software in their brain is guide method. And she's a doula and she'd always kind of been like overly excited about birth. And she talked to both the pa- the mom and the dad at the same time. And the dad had no idea about anything about birth. And so she was just kind of really, really excited. And then he's like, what? so then she learned the method. She changed her programming and she was able to like filter what she needed to say and kind of channel her enthusiasm with the right words and the right tone. And people are just buying like crazy and also complimenting her on her ability to communicate to the dad who knows nothing, right? So to just have like a trick will absolutely be helpful, but it nothing compares to literally having a new software running in your brain at all times. I'll tell you one thing that that would be really huge. Okay, I'll tell you a few. Number one is sell yourself on yourself. If you don't believe, nobody else will. If there's any hesitation, if there's any question, if there's any uncertainty in you at all, it comes through. And I do not want to work with anyone who is unsure in themselves. I'm sure you're the same way, right, Davey? I think another good one would be turn I to you. Play a game with yourself and see, like just be in conversation with a friend and see how, see if you cannot say the word I one time. Just try. People love to talk about themselves. They love it. And so your job as a salesperson is to let them and to encourage them too. We want to hear it all. The person who's talking is the one that's not in control. The person who has the information is the one that's in control. And so if you can get in this new mind frame of like, how can I make it all about them, not talk about myself one time and just learn about them, be so fascinated and curious, that is a major trick that will that will change the game for you in life, but also in your calls. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that we try to do during our calls is ask a lot of questions in the beginning and really try to get as much information as possible Yeah, because it will, you know, it will kind of dictate how we present, you know, our services. Yeah, for sure. And what's important here, and one of the things I see in our students when we're kind of taking them through our eight-week program is their questions are not pointed in a direction. It's, they can be a little general. Mm. And so you want to actually ask a few of the right questions because being overly questioned doesn't really always feel that great for their buyer. You know, it just depends. So knowing kind of your starting place and knowing where they are in the arc, do they believe that reputation is important? Do they believe that the branding can reflect the reputation? If they do believe that, if they're at the 40% or the 40 miles per hour, you might not go all the way back to zero. We might start a little bit higher to move them all the way. I hope that's making sense. But kind of knowing where you're at and knowing where they're at is going to be huge in your in your sales process. Yeah. Well, the last the last sort of myth that I want to ask about, and maybe you know, I believe this a little bit about uh, about myself. Right. I'm already making sales. I don't need to learn how yeah. to sell. You know, it's like, well, you know, I've kind of gotten by. And with that said, I, you know, I don't want to say I've just like gotten by with nothing. You know, I've read books and I've tried to, 
I've tried to study other people who are good at this, but how would you address somebody who maybe is feeling that way? They already have business and things seem to be running all right. Why do they need maybe a more of a formal sales method or why do they need this new operating system, right? For a a sales process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. So there's a huge difference between people buying and people buying in. There's a huge difference between selling a product and selling a belief. And we've talked a little bit about this, but the sales process is not just a transference of money. I'm sure you have people that could recur business to you, right? Right, Davey? And there's people that actually need to implement what you tell them to do and to do it the right. Like sales is happening throughout the entire process. Once we make that first sale, that's just sale one. Sale two for us is like, come prepared go all in. Don't question the process yet, but stay focused. And then we want them to join and stay in the bubble over a period of time. And so your sales message them every single time you have a call with a client, you've got to be a salesperson and keep selling them on why this website matters. Because it is hard freaking work to make your website beautiful. On, on the client's end too, we got to do all the writing. We got to do all the like thinking you really implement. And so I got to put in some effort and you've got to sell me on why it's worth it when it's going to feel hard and I'm not going to want to do it. And a hundred other things are filling up my to-do list. Davey comes in and sells me on this matters. Your business matters. Your clients matter enough for you to put your best and your all into this work. Awesome. Well, I'm actually signed up for your webinar later today. I'm excited. Awesome. We've had friends. Yeah, we do one every single week, Davey. Oh, awesome. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I thought maybe you did it every month. No, we do it every week. And we're, it's so fun just to have, it's, it's really people that it's actually only for people that have bought our book. Okay. So we sell the book and then we say, Hey, like, let's get into a class to really tease it out. We actually have gotten so many wins from the book that we knew we had to do an even more in-depth version of the book, which is the masterclass. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to tune in later today to that. I'll make sure that I put the link in the show notes for anybody else who is interested. Where can people follow along if they want to learn more? Yeah. So we have our Instagram, which is the guide culture, but we also have a podcast called school of sales. And I think that is probably the most valuable thing that you could follow is the podcast we do every week, at least sometimes more than once a week. Okay. Awesome. Well, as always, people can find those links in the show notes. Macy, thank you so much for your time, especially with a nine week old. Yeah. We know how that goes and what that season looks like. We really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to tuning in later to your webinar. And again, if you're listening and this interests you and you're thinking, you know, I really have to, I have to figure out the sales thing and Mm -hmm. and you're ready to address it head on, make sure that you check out the show notes and we'll make sure all the links are in there. Thanks again, Macy. Perfect. Thanks, Davey. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing this episode with others. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DavianKrista.com.